Welcome, loyal listeners. We are back. I am McLean. I'm Adam. And with our powers combined, one of us is always right. Today, we're going to be getting excited by talking about some recent trailers. We have two series to discuss this week. My assumption is that we're going to get stuck in the weeds of Peaky Blinders and have a uh, hopefully a lighthearted look at Taskmaster, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Then Adam is going to recommend two movies or TV shows that he thinks I might enjoy. I'll pick one of those to watch for next week. And finally, we'll have a blast from the past. We'll talk about some amazing movies or TV shows from the past. This week, we're going to be looking at 1964, which I think was a pretty good year. But before we do any of that, let's get excited by talking about some recent trailers. Uh, Adam, what has excited you this week? Well, um, first, I'm just going to acknowledge that there's a uh, there was an announced Harry Potter TV series that people are going crazy about. Super excited. We don't know casting. We don't know when release anything, but it's HBO. Very excited. But I want to talk about Ahsoka okay. um, because I am, which is uh, the um, Rosario Dawson live action Ahsoka show that came about because of how well she did and how well she was received in The Mandalorian. Yeah, great, uh, great casting. I love yes. Rosario Dawson. I think that's just perfect yes it's it, it, yeah it's as far as great castings go this is in the top for sure um she does a great job with the character she understands the character um she can do the action scenes about, yeah she can do the action scenes and it's just it's great what i'm really excited about is we saw a first trailer this week and um we saw some characters from um the animated rebel show so we see hera and we see sabine an older sabine mm-hmm. uh, which i don't know if have you watched rebels Oh, okay. Well, Rebels follows a, a crew of Rebels that are starting out. This is shortly after um, Order 66. Yeah. The so Jedi I have a question. Yeah. Do I need to watch The Clone Wars before I watch... I'm oh, sorry, Clone Wars, not The Clone Wars. I've seen The Clone Wars. But do I need to watch Clone Wars before I watch Rebels? Okay, so remind is The Clone Wars, is that that little Cartoon Network one? Yeah, it's not canonical clone, anymore. Yeah, it's not canonical anymore, but Clone yeah. Wars is the seven season. Yeah, uh, where Anakin gets, forever. A, Anakin gets a Padawan to teach, and it's Ahsoka Tano. It's Ahsoka Tano, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know if you need to. Like, it stand, Rebel stands as its own movie or its okay. own, t- own TV series and builds on its own thing. Characters come in and out, like Obi-Wan. Yeah shows up at some yeah. point i haven't seen the whole series i'm like a third two-thirds of the way through season one um yeah. but a big star wars head buddy of mine has watched the whole thing a couple times and you know yeah. we've, we've talked about it um so i know the big baddie i know what's kind of going on but it is um a jedi who's in kind of hiding but also fighting the empire as a rebel this is before um this is before uh rogue one yeah Okay, so Rebels happens before Rogue One. In fact, if you watch Rogue One at the end, um, you've seen Rogue One, I'm assuming. Yes. Uh, when they when all the ships come together there at the end uh-huh. and then and then fly out, one of the ships that shows up is Ghost, and that's the main ship from Rebels. Okay. Uh, Rebels almost has a Star Trekian feel because the uh-huh. ship plays a big role. Yeah. Um, whereas in like in Star Wars as a whole, yeah, there's a lot of ships, and we become attached to like the Millennium Falcon and and X Wings and things like that, but Ghost seems to have its own kind of personality like the Enterprise might do. Sure. Um, so it's kind of got that little vibe to it, which is kind of cool. Um, but anyway, so we see Rebels. Ahsoka live action. We see some live action Rebels characters show up, which is very cool. And we learn that the big baddie is going to be Grand Admiral Th- Thrawn. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, which is played by um, Lars Mikkelsen. Yeah, it's um, Mads Mikkelsen's brother. Yeah. He voices Thrawn in Rebels. Exactly, so. yeah. So that, I think, is clever casting. I mean, if the yeah. guy can pull it off with his face, then the voice is the same. Rock and roll, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's coming out. Uh, I don't remember the exact date. I don't know if we've gotten a date, but I know it's later this year. Um, cool. So very excited about that because I think that um, all of the uh, Disney Plus T- Star Wars shows – Mm-hmm. for the most part have been very well done yeah um they're at least not shying away from um budget to make them yeah and so that is very exciting they're not always the greatest stories and not always stories we needed like the book of boba fett wasn't yeah like super great i mean it was fine but when you compare yeah. it against some of the others that have come out um i think i think or i hope and i'm excited to find out if Ahsoka is more in the Andor Mandalorian quality versus yeah. say Obi-Wan book of Boba Fett. Um, yeah. I just I don't, I don't know who was asking for a Boba Fett solo show. I think that's where that kind of show fell down a little bit. Was yeah. like, I, I like the character in the original series. Right. And he's, he's cool looking. And he does some silly hijinks and has a rocket. Then pack, I, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. Yeah. He, yeah. He, to me, he's a side character. Yeah. And, and a good one, but that's his, that's his role as, as a character. Um, yeah. And, the best Boba Fett stories to me are the ones told by kids with the action figures that are just throwing them around the room. Like, yes, that's what he was designed for. Yeah. And it took a little bit of the, um, it took a little bit of the satisfaction away from return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, you know, when he finally, like, you're watching the movie for the first time or before Book of Boba Fett existed, and you go, or even uh, what was Mandalore season two, Mandalorian yeah. season two, um, and you go, good, a bad guy met an end I can agree with. Yeah. Fall in a giant sandworm mouth thing with eight bazillion teeth. Don't yeah. see that guy again. I, that is a complete story. That's um, exactly how I felt when the elf emperor went down that uh, that yeah, shaft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't need to see him again. Right, right. And I'm like, and then like, so I just think Star Wars needs a little bit of a um, like a like a a canon cleanup almost yeah. um, because to me it's ridiculous that Palpatine had plans for Anakin but still had Dooku right so there's always like the phrases there's always two a master and a and an apprentice yeah. so Palpatine had an apprentice of Dooku and then immediately replaces him and how like like use this other guy to replace him but he didn't do that for Vader like yeah he didn't do a good enough job in the original trilogy to show how pow- powerful Vader truly was yeah in order for Palpatine to go yeah I'm not going to mess with that yeah you know what i mean rogue one shows it a little bit at that yeah i was gonna the, say that's the, the best vader yeah uh, the, when he scene. goes into the tanty four um yeah. so i just wish there was a little bit more of that to explain away why palpatine gives up on this because like even like they used maul too like he yeah. uses do several you, more than just an apprentice and that's do you think though that the rule of two is just a sith lie like absolutely could be yeah <laughs> Because we've seen in, like, I know this is not necessarily canonical, but, like, in Visions mm-hmm. and in some of the Rebel stuff, there are these, like, uh, Inquisitor characters as well that are right. Sith-esque. They're, yep. they're, like, fallen Jedi who are now tracking down and killing Jedi that, that escaped Order 66. So, I mean, they're not the Sith, 
but they're they're pretty much Sith like, yeah. And then you yeah. get the worshippers of the Sith, and there had to be like, I don't know. It just I agree with Death you. Stars. It could be that's a really good explanation. I'd never thought of thought of before. That's a that's a great lie to tell. You know, the yeah. greatest the greatest lie the devil ever pulled off was convincing the world he didn't exist. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah. I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah. I just wish we could get a little clarity around it somehow. Okay. So, but Ahsoka, super excited. Um, I looked it up. August 2023 is when we can expect that to come out. Cool. Uh, I'm excited for, I, this seems like it's a, it's a 55 minute uh, show. It, <laughs> I don't know exactly how to describe this thing, but it is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers once and always. Oh, yeah. I am super stoked for this. Uh, 30 years after the wise and powerful Zordon formed the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the team comes face-to-face with a familiar threat from the past. In the midst of global crisis, they are called on once again to be the heroes the world needs. This 30th anniversary special is inspired by the legendary mantra from the franchise, once a ranger, always a ranger, meaning once you become part of the ranger family, you're always welcome back. This is just nostalgia, uh, just injected times straight a, Times a billion, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember buying the old, like the first episodes of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back when you would buy them at Blockbuster for like five bucks a piece and you got 25 minutes of an episode. And (laughs) I watched the first two episodes over and over and over again. I I fell off the series probably in like the fourth or fifth reincarnation of the Rangers when they started learning ninja tactics and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all the way up through the first movie, I'm a huge Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan. I even think that first movie, although the graphics are pretty bad, the the storyline actually kind of holds up pretty well. Um, my biggest regret with this is that the Green Ranger uh, isn't going to be in it. And, so, and Pink over. as well. Tommy, yeah, Tommy Oliver, who was, um, no, that's the fictional character. Uh, Jason David Frank is the yeah. one who played him, the, the actor. And he passed away. Um, but he was like really, really into the show mm-hmm. and really into like conventions and stuff. And if you if you went to like a lot of conventions, uh the guy who played um Tommy and the guy who played Kim and the girl who played Kimberly were a lot of the the fan conventions and they would go in, in character and do signing and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. She is not gonna be in the show, from what I understand. No, I, they have a different uh I think the third generation Pink Ranger is uh, is going to be in it, but I recognized a bunch of the other cast members: uh, David Yost, the original Blue Ranger; uh, yep. Walter Emanuel Jones, the original Black Ranger; uh, Steve Cardenas, who is the second generation Red Ranger. Uh, the first generation Red Ranger guy murdered his roommate, mm-hmm. and so he got replaced, which was a good call. Um, uh, Karen Ashley, who is the second generation Yellow Ranger, uh, Johnny Young Bosch, who I think is the second generation Black Ranger, is is also on the cast list. So, I mean, they're they're going back as far as they can, right? To, to get original cast members for this, um, and yeah, these are all people that I grew up with with my childhood. So it's exciting to see them come back and and do stuff. Um, yeah. I was never big into Power Rangers um, because they came out in 93. Yeah. And I was starting high school. 
Yeah. And so it's just like eh, it's a little bit. Um, now I fully admit that uh, when I did watch, I was pretty much watching because of Amy Jo Johnson. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I can't say her name. Uh, Thu Trang. Trong. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, the original uh, Trini, who played the original Yellow Ranger, yeah, um, died in a car accident. Oh no, her character got replaced. Yeah, um, so yeah, I was I was in high school and I was watching for the girls. Yeah, sorry, but uh, but yeah, um, I mean it it it, it had a has had and has a huge fandom. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. The movie that came out recently wasn't aside from the graphics wasn't really a, like the story I was a, kind of okay with. Um, yeah. I was really worried that it was going to be really melodramatic and right. Like I was going to be sitting there getting through the first part, waiting for the end so I could see the big giant Zords and stuff. Uh-huh. I, it was completely the opposite for me though. I really enjoyed yeah. the character development in the, the first part of the movie. And then once it gets into the montage, where they're learning to use the Zords. I was like, this is, this is starting to fall down for me. <laughs> right, exactly. It felt to me like um, uh, like a happier or a lighter version of Chronicle almost. Yeah. Um, and with not as good effects. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, yeah. So that's cool. To, yeah. So it's a it's a one time show, right? It's not a series, and it's not no. Like it's a it's a fifty five minute episode, like a super episode. Yeah. Yeah. Or a okay. short movie or a long episode, gotcha. it's somewhere in the middle there. I, I think this is kind of one of those things where you kind of like um, Werewolf by Night is mm-hmm. probably something I would I would compare it to where it's like we have this amount of story to tell. We don't need to like fill a, a theater for it. This is right, just going right. straight to Netflix. Um, we can just this is the amount of story. We're just going to show this amount of story and then it's going to be done. So um, I'm glad they're not trying to stretch it into two hours if they only have a right. five minute story to tell. And I'm glad we're getting as much of it as we can. Like, um, cool. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. Can't thought something happened to these Zords though. They got destroyed during the movie. So I'm interested yeah, to see. I don't know what the lore uh, explanation is to. Or yeah. Maybe they won't explain it. Maybe they just assume no one saw that movie. Although the the people that they are targeting with this, a hundred percent have seen the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, for sure. Movie. Yeah. Like, yeah they're targeting me so right yeah uh, exactly cool okay uh well that gets us into uh our discussion for this week we both challenged each other to one series a piece um i challenged adam to watch season four of taskmaster which is kind of a light comedy reality game show driven show game show yes uh what'd you think um i overall enjoyed it it was a little bit difficult to watch and get used to um the the color grading on the tasks really bothered me a lot i couldn't stop thinking about it and seeing that and i i like i would have to take breaks because it looked like they were trying to be um sherlock like so if you go if you when you watch it and you watch the stage pieces you you see them in studio you get this really nice color palette really good even colors nice warm nice tones um all the colors are vivid and it just looks very natural um you yeah. get into the tasks and it's always overcast always melodramatic and it's always got this blue cool temperature to it that 
um, I'm not opposed to, but in a game show style setting, I was just like, this is in, in contrasted with the studio so often. It was very, um, I just, as a guy, part of my job is video editing. So, um, as a guy who sits down and stares at a screen for hours a day and does that, I was just like, okay, this is just not how I would have done it. And that bugs me, (laughs) um, as my arrogance and ego kicks in, um, overall super enjoyable. Um, uh, Greg Davies, definitely not my favorite. Um, uh, Alex Horn. Yeah. Um, he's hilarious. Um, he should not, he's perfect in the role he's in. Um, I didn't like Greg Davies in that role. Um, I think Greg gets better in the later seasons. I think they take a, a little bit of time with their back and forth. Um, and as they're, I don't know if they're, they're really even friends in the later series either, but they, they're working together. Dynamic improves as the series go on. Um, so he, he's more fun to watch later. I, I, I prefer the New Zealand Taskmaster because it's a different um, dynamic between the assistant and the Taskmaster. Like they're right. more friendly. Um, but yeah, the, there's it definitely is a uh, uh, it takes some getting used to with Greg Davis. Yeah. And, and, and I, did, I didn't mind their dynamic. It's just really it's just him. So like when I've seen him on um, like eight out of ten cats. Um, does countdown like I just he's my least favorite on that always I just don't find him yeah super super funny and I didn't think he was very good like at hosting whereas like here's what it is it felt like a forced top gear sure like and and um and that's kind of where like if I if I hadn't watched top gear so much yeah um then I probably would view this differently um yeah yeah, in a relationship differently but it was so um it's like he was trying to be Jeremy Clarkson instead yeah. of just being himself almost. Does that make sense? He's definitely a character in this because yeah. I've seen him in, in other stuff as well. And he's more like lighthearted and right. you know, go with the flow kind of, yeah. kind of character. Um, um, but he's definitely playing the Taskmaster. Yeah. So um, what I liked about this, this is basically, I think the for my, what if I was to describe this to someone, I would say this is a cards against humanity style show where the the awarding of points is almost entirely subjective not always but almost always (laughs) Um, and you have to um play within yourself but also play to the taskmaster taskmaster and so um that was fun i think noel feeling is hilarious he was one of my favorite on the show like him him and mel were my favorites um and uh it is he's hilarious i love him on the great british bake-off um and uh it's just he i think he's funny um if you ever watch uh he's in the it crowd and his character in the it crowd is hilarious um because he plays a vampire and he's super (laughs) like super like not like a real vampire but like like a goth guy who thinks he's a vampire like wants to be a vampire um super dark just kind of stands there and like until he's noticed before he says anything and like it's always it's it's he's hilarious he does a great job with that um so i always liked how he had approached his tasks Um, um i thought he did a good job with that it was really fun to see um you could see boredom set in with the contestants yeah, uh, throughout the throughout the series, like you can see some that were like each one had their 
for the most part, they're all engaged, but there are some times where you can just kind of tell like they're just tired of doing tasks at this point. Yeah. And, and they're not at a breaking point, but they're just a little bit like another task. Oh, and yeah. so you, you can see them just kind of like, all right, well, I'm just going to do this. And it just, <laughs> you know, but um, at other times you get really enthusiastic ones and it's really fun. I, uh, I love the premise of the show. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. The color grading was the biggest thing. Like it was, to me, it was just hard to watch sometimes. And because okay. of that, I found myself on my phone while it was on instead of yeah. just sitting down to fully emerge or immerse okay. myself in it. Um, and that's really kind of it. But, and then Greg Davies, I wasn't super fan, fond of, but he wasn't, he wasn't enough to turn me off to the show. Sure. But he just didn't hook me anymore. But Alex Horn, is so funny it's yeah. so dry and so just like awkward in the best way uh, yeah I, I i him noah and mel noel and mel were just the hit of the show and i yeah. would yeah. i loved the interaction where they had a guess who was going to win the task yeah and noel's like uh, i think mel and and mel's like oh well probably not noel and so i just love noel just being like Who's your best friend? Mel. Mel, who's your best friend? Well, not Noel. <laughs> yeah. And it's really, yeah, it's even funnier because I think this started in, I, so this started, I guess, when Mel was still doing Great British Baking Show. No, right after. This right is after like she right stopped. around the transition. Yeah. Okay, from so her to they, Noel. They joke about like, this okay. is, you know, we're four comedians and a previous uh, Bake Off host. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But has Noel been announced yet as the new Bake Off host? I don't know. I think so. so like, Okay, like that would have been. I would have. I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. Kind of like, well, you know, I took your job, kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I but, don't think he was known for it yet. Like, I think this was right in that transition. Right. Okay. Was like, maybe he was announced, but they weren't sure if it was actually right. Yet. Um, um, but yeah, so that that you know, knowing that history is you know in the background is kind of fun for me. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was a good recommendation. Um, I'll definitely. It's something that. I'd always seen little clips of on social media. Like mm -hmm. I'd seen the Noel as a banana. Um, yeah. That's my favorite table. task. Yeah. Is yeah. the camouflage task. That one completely sums up the series for me. Yeah. Um, Joe, I said thinking outside the box. Yeah. Mel just hiding behind a plant in the room. Yeah. And uh, Hugh kind just of trying, missing yeah. the point of the task. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lolly trying hard. And Noel a hundred percent getting what he was supposed to do. Yeah. That to me, it's either that one or the one in the final um, episode, mm -hmm. uh, the exotic sandwich. Yes, that one's good too. Um, those are the, those are my two favorite, and I really liked the golf one or the the pick an object to hit with and pick an object to hit off a tee and how far will it go? Oh yeah, um, that was. I and, and and Noel like surprisingly, Noel is athletic. Yes. <laughs> like we find that out and he's smart with physics. He knows he's going to get better uh, connection with whatever he's hitting. If he shortens his cue stick yeah. um, and takes away all the skinny wood at the back, you know, that everybody else was holding, like everyone was smart enough to put the heavy end away from them, but yeah. nobody thought to cut that out and get better, le you know, leverage. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, Noel is just, I, I, over the top. Um, but yeah, yeah this is definitely a show I will watch. I will watch other seasons of, um, I like that it's eight episodes. Um, but it's something that I can come kind of come and go from and have on the background a little bit and still feel like I'm not missing much. Yeah. I put this on in the background a lot when I'm working because yeah. I've seen it before and right. it's just something that I can kind of like peek at every once in a while. Um, yeah. when, when I know certain things are coming up, but did you like the, um, 
talked about the subjective tasks versus the like uh time timed tasks mm -hmm. did you like the ones where greg was the one deciding what was the best or did you like the ones where it was like who did it the fastest you get the points i don't know that i liked one over the other i think it's okay. to me it was based on the actual activity most okay. of the time like i i didn't like i didn't like the painting ones yeah uh, as much um yeah well it's uh, it's weird too because noel is an artist like right. he can actually paint no matter what the circumstances are so there were some of them where like they figured out oh i'm supposed to move the mat with the paintbrushes right. instead of painting like, closer yeah but then they still can't paint so right <laughs> yeah so the, I, I liked some of that stuff. I liked I liked the prizes. I found myself really liking that first segment. Um, yeah. where they introduced what they brought. Yeah. Um, which they stole, I think, a little bit from eight out of ten cats. Um, yeah. Um, because they all bring their uh, forget what's called on countdown. Um, if they're like mascot stuff. Their mascot. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so this is kind of like that, um, except it's given away at the end to the winner of that episode. Yeah. And um, like I like Noel made his own money. And yeah. drew Greg and Alex on it, and that was fun. Um, yeah. so things like that, I thought were really great. Um, but Just I bought a bunch of cash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Lolly's got what two grand in in pounds. Um, yeah. Just sitting on it. Um, so it was that. I don't like I said. I don't know. That I like the timed one over the subjective one. Um, yeah. I liked that there was a hint of subjectivity in all of them. Yeah. Like, even if someone was the fastest, you know, Greg Davies is going to still rip them if they were, like, not creative in it. Uh, yeah. But I like that, um, what was it, the um, opening the uh, the jar covered in um, lard or yeah. whatever, or mayonnaise. Vaseline. Um, yeah. Vaseline, yeah. Mayonnaise jar covered um, in Vaseline. Mayonnaise jar covered in Vaseline, right. And and Joe Lysett doesn't even read the task. He just go get some gloves and open it. And so he never read it, so it never started. So he did it in zero seconds. Yeah. That, I love that. So, like, that's, that's both smart. subjective and, like, yeah. So, like, he could have been docked for not reading it and not starting a timer, but they didn't. Yeah. And so, like, I love that subjectivity is never completely gone. Like, there's one like that in always the, there a little bit there's one like that in the second season where they have to transport stuff from one side of the like a river over to the other mm -hmm. and uh, uh one of them like takes out a boat like a little boat and blows it up before the task starts and then realizes that is not the task at all <laughs> and, then, and then has to like deflate this boat and then chuck it That's over the river awesome and so really shoots himself in the foot yeah, for that yeah. one um so, i really yeah i really like the hide and seek i thought that yeah. one was, that one was fun too. Hide and seek's um, fun too so anyway um and i love how alex horn specifically that one brought it up so this one will remind you a little bit of hide and seek it's hide and seek <laughs> you know, and I, I love that kind of humor. Um, so yeah. really good recommendation. I would encourage if if you need something that's lighthearted, easy to follow, um, it's got some emotional stuff that you can attach yourself to and invest in if you want to, or you can just sit back and just be entertained for silly laughs. I think Taskmaster is great. Um, yeah, I would not recommend trying to like get caught up in the points. I think no. you really just let that go because the whoever the youngest cast member is and whoever the oldest cast master uh like member is uh, probably not winning the season right because greg doesn't get the jokes of the younger one and he knows the older one way too well and it's just going to take the piss out yeah. of him all the time. greg's best spot best moments were poking at hugh yes um that was like like 
that helped make the season for me um, and kind of yeah. redeem Greg a little bit. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it's don't, yeah, don't get invested in the points. It's a fun side thing. Um, but it's like, it's exactly like countdown. The points kind of matter, but they don't really, you're there yeah. to watch and get a laugh. Yeah. Um, um, you would probably, uh, I, I think some of the later seasons are really good too, but season two is probably the one you would like the best because okay. it has John Richardson in it. Oh, and I love John Richardson. He, he's the one that gets the piss taken out of him the most oh yeah a lot of it is about him being so short <laughs> yeah uh he's uh, he is an underrated comic he's hilarious um very good so um, awesome there's there's a great so uh joe lysett does a series mm-hmm. of like a travel series oh, okay where he does like go, goes around to different places and brings a comedic guest with him and there's an episode where he takes john richardson with him and it's gold just amazing yeah uh, they play off each other very well one's super oh, yeah. optimistic and one is super, yeah super they've had they've been partners on countdown before and they're hilarious there and yeah, yeah it's so fun awesome all right so we moving along peaky blinders now yeah let's do all it right so i challenged mclean to watch uh the first season of peaky blinders which is one of my favorite all-time tv shows top five for sure um so i'm really 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 i haven't asked him anything I don't know anything about what he's going to say, but I'm super like anxious about what he's going to say about it. Um, because I don't want to be crushed emotionally today. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. No pressure. Um, but what did you think McLean of Peaky Blinders season one? So I will say don't watch just season one. (laughs) It's not enough of a story. I watched the first two seasons. I just finished season two last night. Excellent. Uh, Season two wraps up with like, some actual you could probably leave it at season two like i think that there's enough emotional like you know to it to you could you could imagine it going different places Mm -hmm. you could have a discussion season one just the episode five has a good sort of wrap up on stuff and then six just sort of lets the cats out of the bag again yeah um so I think if you're going to recommend this to somebody, make sure you're recommending the first two seasons at a minimum. Um, I I don't know past that, but um, I do feel like after watching the second season, I was worried it was going to have kind of a Game of Thrones effect where the second to last episode was always going to be the meat episode. Right. And, uh, you know, the last episode is sort of like getting you excited for the next season again. Um, Season one does that. Season two does not do that. Um, the show does a really great job of not getting into it doesn't really get into a pure rhythm there's always different stuff going on i think this is this reminds me a lot of um those old um not not that old uh but like Lockstock and snatch reminds me a little bit of those Mm -hmm. not only with the english setting but it's a bunch of broken up stories of the different characters and then how it all sort of ties together at the end. Yeah. And uh, there's lots of circumstances or, um, you know, different things that happen that, that tie everything together. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's not my favorite series, but it's really high up there. Um, I think Kendra liked it more than I did. And so she yeah. sort of helped push me through. Okay. season two because she she was constantly like we need to be watching this yeah um it's awesome so she liked it i think even more than i did but i really enjoyed it 
it reminds me a lot of early seasons of Game of Thrones with Tyrion Lannister, mm-hmm. like outplaying people and outsmarting yeah. them. I love. Uh, so we'll we'll talk a little bit more about season one first, and then when we move into season two, I'll I'll make sure that's clear. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't watched season two yet, I would really recommend definitely watching season two before finishing our discussion because we're going to probably get into some spoilers for that too. Um, but in season one, there's a great uh, thing where he, he he sort of goes off on the Lee brothers mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, he he can't control his rage. He can't control his temper. Like this is his his flaw, right? Right. You're constantly looking for like, what's the flaw of Tommy Shelby? And you think it's his his anger and his rage. No. That's that's not it. He, that's tactical. He he went off and made it look like he just got angry because he was trying to pick a flight with the Lees so that he could get in with the other gangster and make you know your your enemy is the Lees, my enemy is the Lees. Let's work together. Yep. And that was a purely tactical thing, and that he was going to make good with the Lees later anyway. Right. Um, I like the way that he he's able to adapt on the fly a lot. His plans don't always work out perfectly. But he, close he does seem, yeah, so, sometimes he's a couple steps ahead of people and sometimes he's able to just keep moving. Like, mm-hmm. I think the, uh, all right, we're going to talk a little bit about season two because I think it's, uh, it, there's some great metaphors in, in it, but they talk about how he was a tunneler in World War One. Yeah. So he was digging tunnels between the trenches and uh, finding the Russian, the, not the Russian, but the, the German tunnels um as well and like stopping them from attacking through through the tunnels and one of his tunnels uh got buried the 190 167 mm-hmm. is that what they were yeah. uh one of their tunnels got buried and so three of them survive and they dig themselves out and we meet them in the first season and you you see one of the other guys who's definitely suffering from some severe PTSD and you you kind of get the sense that Tommy respects him for being a soldier mm-hmm. and then you realize that Tommy just sees himself like that's what he's like inside yeah. and so he he just has like pure sympathy for this guy because he's he knows him like and yeah they, he ha- yeah go ahead they, they all grew up in the same neighborhood so like this is all they're all brummies they're all Birmingham um, yeah. boys that got shipped out together, stationed together, served together. And so he sees himself, but and sees this also a friend he's known for life. Yeah. And and that their relationship is really good. Um there's a there's a scene where he it looks like he shoots his friend and it turns out he just shot him with a frozen mm-hmm. lamb guts bullet. Yeah. yeah. Um that's really well done. Um I want to get to Sam Neal in a second, but I want to make sure we cover Tommy first. We, we learned what Tommy's, like, actual uh, weakness is, which is love. He, yep. He's someone who feels like he's already died. Like, he doesn't think that he should have survived the war, and so he's living his life... Uh, he's Daredevil, basically. He's the man yep. without fear. He yep. doesn't... He's not afraid of dying, so he will do literally anything and put himself in all sorts of circumstances that no one else would do because he just doesn't care about death. And you see it at the end of season two, where he talks about the grenade that he left in the rum factory. Right. And he's like, I'll die. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you're threatening to kill me. 
good luck. Right. <laughs> and um, so he he's somebody who doesn't care about death, but then once he gets a taste of actually living and, and falls in love, he's just blinded. Like he doesn't, uh-huh. a lot of his plans start falling through as, as soon as he starts like courting this girl. And he, he's blind to the fact that she's actually a double agent that right. is, you know, betraying information. I kept waiting for him to like catch on to her yeah. and be like, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to start feeding Grace bad information right. and, and working with that. No, that's not him. Like he doesn't, he never, until almost until she like just tells him that she was working for the government, he's he's pretty much blinded to it. Yep. And it still doesn't really, I, I was then waiting for him to be like, oh, you know, you betrayed me. This is, this is too much. But he's like, no, I get it. I'm like <laughs> that was your job. Uh, we could probably still be together if we if we wanted to. Um, but yeah, it's for him. He's living for his family at this point, and I think that's what makes him more interesting and more uh, more of an antihero than like Pablo Escobar from Narcos, because right. they have a lot of the same traits. Right? They're both they're both these guys that are trying to build this empire. The difference is Pablo is doing it for his own like personal admiration right he wants people to to love him yeah yeah Tommy wants his family to be supported when he's gone exactly he wants to protect them in perpetuity yeah Yeah. so we see that at the end of season two where he makes all the contingency plans and stuff to Mm -hmm. to make sure that he's his family is taken care of if he gets killed because he knows he's he's trying to they're trying to set him up um so yeah uh i i thought season one was good it's a great introduction to the characters season two is really really good and it really starts to develop all of them you you get a small taste for john in the first season he's much more fleshed out in the second season you get um i didn't really like arthur much in the first season yeah and i think his character is much more engaging in the second season and i start to really care about him as he starts to decline yeah um they get more into his ptsd and Tommy stops treating him like a brother and more like a soldier. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's actually helping. I think it's right. probably not. Well, yeah. I mean, what do they know about mental health in 1924 yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Um, but, so uh, season one, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is 88 and, and a 95. Uh-huh. And then season two is a 100 and a 97. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. season three is also a hundred and season six is also a critics hundred. So it's got yeah. three out of six seasons that rated critically at a hundred percent, which is I think tremendous. I love that each season is only six episodes to me. Like very rarely do I say this is enough. Um, yeah. I, the, I think the spacing and timing of this, cause they're all very, I get tired after an episode. Did you ever feel that? Like you just watch an episode and go, and like, feel like you have to take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, they're engaging. Yeah. 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 And they're like, oh man, what happens next? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. They're very thrilling. Um, yeah. before we get into Sam Neill, um, stay in season two just for a second. Um, what did you think of Alfie? Uh this one's Alfie. Alfie is Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I was so shocked when I saw Tom Hardy was in this. <laughs> yeah. He I mean no one's going to give acting notes to Tom Hardy, but he's doing something else in this. Like yeah. he's in a different show. <laughs> I, I, you know, I liked it. It was yeah. interesting. It was a great, you know, character choice. Um, but yeah, I, uh, 
I liked the Passover scene where he's like, you know, we, you know, named him after the emperor. Yeah. We named him Thomas Shelby. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there was some really cool stuff with him. I, uh, I liked the grenade scene back and forth between mm-hmm. him and, uh, um, Killian Murphy. Um, yeah, it, I will say I never got distracted by the fact that I know Killian Murphy from other things. He was just Thomas right. Shelby. I know. I was, uh, I was just thinking that about other, to ask you. Tom Hardy. I was like, Oh, this is Tom Hardy playing. Right. This, this guy. Yeah. But like um, in my head, if Killian Murphy had been born and served in world war one, he would have ended up as Thomas Shelby. Like it, like it, he's not acting. He's just accessed a different personality that lives within him. Um, maybe. Yeah. And it was it's, just like, and that's scary, but so good. All right. Let's really move on good. to Sam Neill. Um, wow. I was not expecting that from Sam Neill. And I guess I forget that Sam Neill has done villainous roles. Like Event mm-hmm. Horizon is, yep. is one that, that comes to mind. To me, he's always just uh, Grant. Uh, Dr. Grant. Grant yeah. from, from Jurassic Park. So it's uh it's weird to see him just knock it out of the park with this villainous mm-hmm. role. And I love the fact that he's back for season two. Um and and I love the fact huge spoilers that he gets gets his come up in the end of season two. Yep. Um, he has such a great mix of he's evil and vindictive and incompetent. Mm-hmm. Like right. he's not, he's just scary enough to 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 like elicit fear, but he's more like a wild dog than he is a um I would say like Sherlock Holmes versus uh Dr. Moriarty. Like he he thinks he's two steps ahead of Thomas Shelby. Right. Sometimes he might have like lost into it. Yeah. It. Yeah. It, it's like playing chess against someone that's not a master. And they mm-hmm. do an opening that you're not prepared for, and it throws you off your game. Yep. Like, that's how he was. And so you don't know what he's going to do because he's not honorable or he, he's not honorable enough to be um, trusted. And he's not so evil. Um, well, he's evil, but he's not so like criminal that he's always going to do the, the opposite thing, right? Right. Sometimes you can work with him but you probably shouldn't. You need to have your, your backup plan for when he turns on you. Yeah. And I thought that he does a great job of, um, I think it's in season two, three or four, where he like drops the hammer on Thomas Shelby and like everyone's coming in from all sides. Right. And he's like, I realize that you're not afraid of death, but you are afraid of your family dying. So I'm going yeah. to, um, you know, threaten your sister, lock up your brother and lock up your cousin. Right. And, um, so he know he knows what the pressure points are to push against him, which is what he says at the beginning of season two. But you're yeah. you're like, wow, I don't know if I really believe this. Right. I like I like Thomas going around him straight to Winston Churchill. Yeah. That's a great scene where he writes the letter to Churchill. Yeah. I um, think it's hilarious that Churchill is in this at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um what so you you say, you know, when you think Sam Neill, you always think Dr. Grant. For me, he's um um uh, He's the the Russian first command, uh, um, yeah, Hunt second command on on Hunt for October. Like that's the yeah. that's what I remember him from first, and then Jurassic Park. Like by Ohio, like the, yeah, he's just such a lovable guy. Yeah, and I just yeah. and I and and I think you know I, I'm sitting here going, 
I don't know if I've ever heard his real accent. I've never seen an interview of his. And so I'm sitting here going, well, is he Russian? Is he American in Event Horizon? Is he American in, in uh, English or American English in um, Jurassic Park? Or is he this Irish dude that it's hell bent on a gangster in Peaky Blinders? So yeah. I think I, you're right. I, he knocks it out of the park. I did not see that coming from him at all. Yeah, I love the scenes between him and the other constables. Yeah. Where there's this obvious, they know that he didn't serve in World War One, mm-hmm. And so there's this uh, tension between him and everybody else of like, why the, why should we respect you? Right. You didn't even serve. Yeah. Um, so there's, yeah. A, there's a great like kind of through line of what it means to be uh, in, in France um, during that time. Yeah. Um, so they, they have a, constant comparisons of like, were you in the sum? Were you in um, right. this, that, and the other thing? So, yeah. 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 Um, no, it's, um, I love the, all the underlying stuff I think is great in this. Um, him, him heading up against or facing off against, uh, Shelby is just a lot of fun. Um, what, what were some of, um, what didn't you like about it? Um, would you, or like, let me ask you this, uh, just because I know that you and I kind of have differing views on this. What did you think of the pacing? Just, yeah, over- I thought it was a little slow. Yeah. Um, I think season, season one starts off pretty fast. Stuff starts mm-hmm. happening right away. There's a couple episodes in the middle where things start to like drag. Yep. And because the other characters aren't given as much to do in the first season, when it drops over to their characters, I felt like there was times where I was a little bit like not lost, but like I just didn't care as much. Right. Like not Arthur meeting his dad and stuff like that. Mm. I didn't care as much about that. Yeah. Um, whereas when it dips to those characters in season two, I cared a lot more. Yeah. I think season two did a much better job of making me care for all of the storylines. Yeah. And after see- seeing season one, where things start to like converge together, it made me um it made me like it I, I was ready for things to to happen together and so i was paying more attention to the small details right in season two so what part yeah. of it was the show conditioning me and part of it was just having a better um concept of all of the characters absolutely um do you think that you'll go through and finish this show i think it's something that will stay on my radar i don't know if i'm going to jump straight to season three okay. but um it's definitely something I will come back to. We'll see. Um, still haven't finished Shadow and Bone. Right. Still haven't watched Andor or The Mandalorian season three. Yeah, that that's um, surprising to me. So, um, it's it's one of those things where when I have time, I will yeah. get to yeah, it. Absolutely. But, uh, um, yeah, I I do feel like the season two wrapped up to a point where I'm okay taking a break from the show. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. Um, I do think the the women in this are really good, yes. um, but they are all just get the worst end of the stick every time. Like maybe it's just because season two ends with with a uh-huh. lot of uh, women getting raped, but uh, there's a yeah, they really it do not. It, do it well. changes a little more. Um, yeah. So in the later seasons, you get little Anya Taylor Joy. Um, oh yeah, that's right. In it, uh, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, I can't, it's hard to say fun in Peaky Blinders. Um, yeah, it's engaging. It's not fun, but to me, it's what I love about it. It's world building in a, in a world we know, but also don't know. Um, yeah. So I thought that I was, was really good. 
so I knew when Grace was trying to get pregnant, I knew that them having sex together was going to be him impregnating her. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't think that she was going to show up at the racetrack, though. Right. That was surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, Grace is pretty cool. Yeah. I like Grace a lot. Um, yeah. So I liked May. I thought May was a really interesting character. She's She's got a lot of dimensions to her. Um, and I really enjoy Polly. I mm-hmm. uh, the the scene where with with her and Campbell was very difficult to watch. Um, yes, but yeah, the he's such a such a great villain. Um, <laughs> the secondary villains are also really. I think they do a great job too mm-hmm. with those of showing why we are rooting for this gangster versus the other gangsters. Right, like. They make the Italian guy unbearable to watch. He's oh so gosh. awful. And, so, uh, and then they have the scene between, can't remember what the other guy's name is, but uh, the one who's running the racetrack originally um, that tries to push himself onto Grace. Yeah. I think that scene is basically there to set up like, oh, we shouldn't like this guy. Right. Like, even though Tommy's done some bad stuff, he's not this bad. Right. With Tommy shooting this guy. In the yeah. Head. So the 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 main Italian uh, mobster gangster, he's Sicilian. Um, he's I would say stereotypical. If you watch um, Godfather Part Two and in the flashback when we get De Niro um, mm-hmm. as um, Vito, uh, the Italian guy, the first the the mobster he assassinates, yeah, um, and then breaks the gun of to pieces and drops it in chimneys. Um, that guy that he kills is who I always think of when I watch season two for the with the Italian guy because he's that kind of over the top. Yeah. Um, stereotypical version of Italian. So this this guy that Tommy's facing up facing off with is not Vito Corleone gangster. Yeah, it's not Michael Corleone gangster. It's the typical brazen Italian um, Goodfellas kind of uh, yeah. uh, Joe Pesci um, kind of yeah. character, just over the top, um, which I thought was an interesting choice. Especially, I mean, that guy did come from Italy, not from America, so that makes a little bit of sense. But it's um how they how they wrap in all these other um gangs is really interesting um to me because these guys existed these were a new gang Um, yeah so they talk about the the villain in the first one um i cannot remember his name now but the the one they take over his racetrack uh i'm curious if that guy had been more competent Mm -hmm. if tommy would have just done business straight with him right but when he meets him, he realizes almost immediately that it's that guy's not a threat. It's the numbers guy. That's the guy mm-hmm. that Tommy needs. Yeah. And so he can get rid of the other guy. He's he's a liability. Yeah. That's the numbers guy that he has to 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 win over. And so um that's when he goes back to the Lees and is like, look, I know mm-hmm. we did this, you know, I, I messed up some of your friends, but great, great scene. Yeah, and that's where we get to see the hats really shine. Is, yeah. is, is that one? Um, I don't think we see the hats really come up too much more. They take their razor blades out a couple times to cut mm-hmm. stuff up. Yeah, um, but that's but yeah, about it. By, yeah. by the end of season two, they're only really using it to cut up cocaine. Yeah, they're and not they using it to cut yeah, they, the face. They, they, I think the showrunners think that that first scene where they used them was impactful enough to carry through the series. Yeah, uh, which I, I don't disagree with. Yeah, um, I don't. I mean, it's not something I need to see every yeah. day as someone getting yeah. cut up with razor so, blades. Yeah, but back to Tommy. Tommy is a guy that he's kind of like a lightning bolt. He's path of least resistance to get what he wants. Yeah. 
right? So lightning is in a straight line because it's following whatever is easiest for it to get there, right? Yeah. Tommy's kind of the same way. He'll fight if he has to fight, if it's easier than doing business with, um, or yeah. he'll do business with if that person is amenable, amenable instead of fighting. Like he's yeah. he's not one way or the other. He's he's a smart guy that wants what he wants and wants yeah. to get what he wants. Um, yeah. And will take the path available to him. Um, yeah. And he learns. And too. he learns, exactly. He's, he's adaptive. So, so we knew, like, Alfie was difficult to deal with in the first couple of times that he met with him. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'm going to take a guy along. I'm going to stop and tie my shoe. Right. And now I have a plan. Right. And so he knows, like, I can do this. And I have I have an ace up my sleeve, which is absolutely nothing. But right. he doesn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So I can, I can do it. I can negotiate. Yeah, he's kind of a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of a guy. And he, yeah. like, he never gets fooled twice. Yeah. Um, so, um, all right. So you you would recommend this to folks, but say at I least two seasons? Yeah, I think if, if someone has time to watch two seasons of this, yeah. they will get an enjoyable experience. Um, there, I, I think this is probably, if you enjoyed the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, this is around that sort of level of, violence and sex position and stuff like that it, it's yeah. not sex position like game of thrones would do it's more of uh character development sex scenes like the sex yeah, scenes serve a yeah. bit of a purpose either metaphorically or right. through character growth and it's so. not i would say it's not quite a, as in your face and blatant as game of thrones to where it's just like almost constant um yeah. This this is there, but it's not when I think back and, and think about the show. It's not what I remember. I you know it's so. But when you think back about Game of Thrones, you can't really think back on the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones and, and not think of the of the sex that they had in it. You yeah, know? well, because um, that's when they do all of the story, the plot development. Right. And stuff. Yeah. So, um, all right, cool. So uh, you recommend uh, P. Blinders first two seasons? Awesome. Yeah. And it's gonna be on your radar to hopefully watch later on, which. Um, I think you should because the story shifts and becomes grander and a lot. A yeah, lot. I can't imagine uh, at the very minimum, I think Kendra will watch it and tell me what happens. Yeah. Um, she, she was really enjoying it. Uh, and she, cool. we ended season two and I'm like, oh, that was a satisfying ending. And she's like, what happens next? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- and that was totally me. Um, I've watched the series, I think, three or four times. Um, and part of that's because I'm getting old and I forget things, but um, I never forget that I've watched it. Um, it's enjoyable all the time. All right. So we're going to move along to, I'm going to recommend, we're back to our normal format. We were kind of on this uh, wonky format just because uh, my main job, I work for a church Easter holiday. Um, I had to focus a lot on that. And so we're back here, back to our normal format. I've got two recommendations. Well, kind of this week, I've got two and a half, which I'll okay. explain in a minute, um, but, or two and a quarter. I'm not sure the math on it, but uh I'm going to recommend two to McLean. He's going to pick one. We're going to watch it. We're going to come back next week, talk about it, and then he'll recommend two. And we'll be back, back in our normal kind of flow for a while. But that doesn't mean we don't want recommendations. So please let us know what you want us, to, what you want to recommend to us at one of us is always right at gmail.com. Um, okay. We need to know because we love the fan episodes. All right. So recommendations this week. Um, let's start with the, uh, the single singular one. Alita Battle Angel. Okay. Um, this came out in uh, 2019. Um, it, it's got a 61% tomato meter and a 92% audience score. So um, not super deep theater stuff, but really fun to watch. Um, this 
stars Christoph Waltz, um, Keen Johnson, Rosa Salazar, um, Jackie Earl Haley's in it, um, Ed Scrine, Jennifer Connelly, um, Marishala Ali. Um, yeah. So some fun or some good actors in this, um, directed by Robert Rodriguez, um, which is always, um, I was going to say always great, but it's not. He's a little hit or miss, but when he hits, he hits, I think. Um, yeah. This is the first one that I think tr- truly falls in the great, great area of being a hit or a miss. Um, I love this movie. I think it's a lot of fun if you just sit back and just kind of set the world that exists aside and go into this other world. I think it's a lot of fun. So here's the here's the synopsis. Several set several centuries into the future, the abandoned Alita is found in the scrapyard of Iron City by Ido, a compassionate cyber doctor who takes the unconscious cyborg Alita to his clinic. When Alita awakens, she has no memory of who she is, nor does she have any recognition of the world she finds herself in. As Alita learns her, to navigate her new life and the treacherous streets of Iron City, Ido tries to shield her from her mysterious past. So um, she's a cyborg. Um, this is a world of cyborg. We see many humans that have um, cyber arms, legs, whatever. Um, and it's the story of two worlds. We've got a floating city where all the rich people live. And mm-hmm. we've got this iron city on the ground level. That's where all the non-rich people live. And um, it's a class system. It's whatever. But they have these games that are kind of like gladiator games or not like it's a race. It's a roller race. So it's kind of like we get a little like bit of yeah, like rollerball, roller derby um, and cyborgs and class systems and all sorts of like aliens and all sorts of fun stuff. So um, this movie, I think, needs a sequel and soon um, because we don't get a lot. Of, we, we get the beginnings of stuff and we just mm-hmm. don't get that se- that second one to fully finish things out but the movie does come to a resolution it's um it's well acted it's well um it's well written it's pg-13 so it's not i think this is written for folks like you and me and teenagers yeah you know like a like a 27 year old who's not into sci-fi isn't really going to like this um, okay. but you and I who like fantasy and sci-fi yeah. are going to like this. Um, teenagers who need action and stuff like that and all that are going to like this. Um, yeah. Christoph Waltz is, this is like the antithesis to um, Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Like <laughs> it's so it's, it's, it's the, it's as far opposite on the scale as possible from that character. Yeah. Is <laughs> it that closer character, to his character in Django? Or he's no, we're still, me. we're far from that. Okay. Um, but that, like, from- like, yes, yeah, so like Django would be the middle. Um, gotcha. This guy is just, he's so like, I just wanted to run up and give him a hug. <laughs> Cause like, Oh man, you're a nice guy. I love you. Thanks for being cool. Um, so it's really, um, I say that I, I, I'm, I'm not the, the wordsmith that you are. This is a, this is a true definition. This is a fun movie. Um, there is some intrigue. There is some intensity. There is some, um, drama inflicted in it, but it's about the visuals. It's about the pace and yeah. um, it's about the characters. Yeah. So, uh, so it's based a on a manga uh, series. Um, so that that's the source material that it's coming from. I believe it was actually bought by James Cameron. He's one of the executive mm-hmm. producers on it. Yep. And he was going to do this, 
but then he was just still doing Avatar and had so many things he wanted to do right. with Avatar that he couldn't quite find the time to direct this, which is why he passed it off to Robert Rodriguez, which I think is a good choice because Robert Rodriguez knows action and he mm-hmm. knows like he knows kids' movies as well. And I think that this one is sort of a good uh should should be a good like mirror between like melding of those two genres. I'm not like a huge fan of the Spy Kids franchise, right? But I do, I do understand that they have like their fans and stuff to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like kids' movies go, it, they're they're probably higher up there, um, comparatively. But yeah, I yeah, this is, should be cool. I'm excited. What's yeah. your What's your other one? Um, well, I'm going to read one one quick review on this oh, one yeah, from um, written by Cassidy Olson, the Improper Bostonian. Um, against all odds, Alita actually works. While previous live-action manga adaptions like Death Note and Ghost in the Shell came out bloated and disingenuous, Alita Battle Angel is fun, fiery, and focused enough to know what it's about. So, there you go. Still can't remember if I've seen Ghost in the Shell live-action. Uh, I have. It's one of those things where I've seen the original, mm-hmm. and I've seen the trailers for the new one, and I don't know if I'm yeah. just like filling in the gaps or yeah. if I actually said that. Right. And it. I, I know I've seen both. And I remember walking out of, after seeing, I saw the anime first or the manga. I use the wrong yeah. words often, anime. Yeah. And I walked out of the Scarlett Johansson one. And I walked out of that one going, well, that wasn't as good as the anime. But then I thought about it and went, if, if the anime hadn't, hadn't existed, the Scarlett yeah. Johansson one would have been a good movie. Yeah. Right, like, like yeah. if I if there was that sever and this wasn't supposed to be an adaptation of this, it would have been good. Yeah, um, but that wasn't the case. So you know, I would rather watch the anime than the live action in that instance. Um, yeah. I don't think there's an anime of Alita, um, and so um, I don't have that option. But I think the movie, not knowing the source material, is good enough on its own. Yeah. So. So that's the first one. The second one, this is where I get to a two, two and a half. So you had, you know, we talked throughout the week because we are brothers and, um, you know, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? And so it helps us make our recommendations because we don't want to recommend something that someone has already seen because that would be egg on my face. So um, this one, you you told me that you hadn't seen Sicario 2. Have you seen Sicario? No. Okay. So... I'm going to talk a little bit about both and let you decide. My hope is that you watch, you pick the original if you pick from one of these two. That's why it's kind of two and a half. Um, They don't have any story carryover from one to the other. Like you don't need to like um, Sicario Day of the Day of the Soldado, I think it's called, um, is not something that directly carries the story from the first one it carries characters in the world it's the u.s marshals to the fugitive yes good yes good analogy so um all right sicario this is uh this is the synopsis for sicario um after rising through the ranks of her male-dominated profession, idealistic FBI agent Kate Maser, Emily Blunt, receives a top assignment recruited by mysterious government official Matt Graver, played by Josh Brolin. Kate joins a task force for the escalating war against drugs. Led by the intense and shadowy Alejandro, uh, played by Benicio Del Toro, the team travels back and forth across the U.S.-Mexican border using one cartel boss to flush out a bigger one. 
So it's a cartel movie. We're sticking with gangs <laughs> a little bit, but yeah. we're on the law. We're on the law side. Um, and what it is, this task force is multi-department. So it's actually and multi-government um, agent, like Fed government level. So it's ATF, it's FBI, um, other people, and like military that build this okay. task force. So it's kind of all over the place. The cast in this is a little just ridiculous. Um, Emily Blunt, Benicio Del Toro, Josh Brolin, Victor Garber, John Bernthal, Daniel Kaluuya, Jeffrey Donovan, um, who was uh, the main uh, character in um, uh, Burn Notice. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's in this. Um, this is uh, – it's it's a high flying action movie um, with a lot. It's it's very intense. Uh, the Rotten Tomato scores are ninety two um, and eighty five. Um, this is I I've, it was very like this is edgier when they say edgier sheet. This is the movie they're talking about. Um, okay. It's really intense. Draws you in. It's building a world, um, which is why that's why I think it's better if you watch this before the second one but not yeah. necessary. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so let me, uh, let me bring up the second one real quick. Um, the second one isn't really a, like, it's not a direct sequel. It's, um, it's called Sicario day of the soldado, um, which I don't know what that means. Um, the tomato reader on this one is 62 and 65. So we're down a bit from the first one. Um, and here's the synopsis for number two. FBI agent Matt Graber um, calls, on, calls on mysterious operative Alejandro when Mexican drug cartels start to smuggle terrorists across the U.S. border. The war escalates even further when Alejandro kidnaps a top kingpin's daughter to deliberately increase the tensions. When the young girl is seen as collateral damage, the two men will determine her fate as they question everything they thought that they are fighting for. Um, the cast in this one is not quite as robust as the first one, um, Benicio del Toro, Josh Brolin. Um, we get Isabella Merced, um, and Jeffrey Donovan again. Yeah. Catherine Keener's in this one. Yes. Um, so it's, um, like I said, not quite as, um, as robust as the first one. Yeah. I've heard good things about the sequel though. Um, yeah, it's enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed watching it, um, very much. It's, but it's a different movie. Yeah. Uh, like it, the first one you're following primarily Emily Blunt's character into this world, but yeah. we're not really meant. We're meant to care more about the world and the situation than we are Emily Blunt. If we account for the sequel, because the sequel just is further of that world, but we don't get the Emily Blunt character. Yeah. So um, we follow this more on the two. Uh, yes. Operatives. Yeah, exactly. This, so it's, it's very much in that fugitive U S marshals kind of, um, mold, but you get plenty of Alejandro or of uh, Benicio del Toro and Josh Brolin in the first one as well. Um, okay. they're not, I mean, they, they are supporting actors, I guess, by definition, but there's plenty of them in the movie. Okay. So that's kind of why I said I'm recommending two and a half movies. <laughs> yeah. I so, um, that's that's what I got for you. Um, I'll re read a quick review for um, the Day of the Soldado. Okay. Uh, Day of the Soldado is a strong, formidable second chapter of the Sicario series that was written by Keith Garlington um, from Keith in the Movies. Sounds like a blog. Okay. 
So that's that. And I don't think I did one from the first Sicario, um, which I will do real, real quick. Um, it, um, like it's, it's more intense. I found myself gripping the armrest more in the first one, yeah. the second one, but the second one was, um, it, it draws you in differently. Yeah. Um, so, uh, from Allison Wilmore of Buzzfeed news, gorgeously made with a set piece taking place in tunnels underneath the border that conveys chaos without ever looking incoherent and a throbbing Johan Johansson score. That's the sound of very bad things on the horizon. Um, so cool. there you go. Um, th- there, that's your two and a half movies. Um, what are, I think, I think we've done a lot of drug movie and gangster movies. I think I'm more excited about uh, switching over to the sci-fi genre. Nice. Uh, I think we can have some really good discussions on Alita Battle Angel. So I think I'm going to go there. Uh, it's going to be streaming on Hulu for those that want to watch along with us. Um, yeah, load up your Hulu. Awesome. And I will say um, on Alita, James Cameron did write it. Um, oh, he was on the writing team. Okay. Yeah, it was him and it, the credited writers, at least on Rotten Tomatoes, is James Cameron and Leda. Um Callow Gritis. Leda, if Leda, Leda, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm bad with names. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I don't know. You can try it. Uh, but it's just over two hours. So, you know, for me on the shorter side, for you on the normal side. Yeah. There we go. Um I had something for this. Oh, I, I was wondering, I think the the writers for Avatar 2 Way of Water are doing the Fantastic Four movie. Mm, Do you hear about that? I don't know how I feel about that. Is that true? I haven't heard about that. I think it's true. I'm actually pretty excited. I really enjoyed Way of Water. I, I thought that I think that the reason I enjoyed it more than the first one is because the the family dynamic was a lot like the writing for the family felt better than the writing sure. in the first one. Yeah, and I felt like it was—it it is a family tale, and that's what I want from my Fantastic Four movie. I want it to be about I get a that. family. I get so that. I, I don't. Yeah, the, the writers who know how to write families uh, is a good call. Yeah, I think for me, I don't know if they're directing it. I think they're just—they're right. just doing the first pass on the writing. So I think for me, what what bummed me out on Way of Water was I, it, it, to me, it must be how people feel when they watch the Zack Snyder Justice League. Mm-hmm. Like that it just felt long. like, yeah, just too, too, way too long. Like it felt like a bunch of extra stuff. Um, it didn't draw me enough into that extra stuff. I can, I can definitely see that criticism. Um, there, there are definitely scenes in it that I know could be cut, but I know why they weren't cut, and that's because James Cameron loves water so much. Right. He wanted to just show more scenes of people underwater. Yeah, which I get, and you know, and when you're yeah. James Cameron and you have all the money in the world to make a movie, then you do it. You know, who's going to tell you no? You yeah. made Titanic. Um, yeah. So Get your submarine, James Cameron. Yeah, go, go have fun. Go have fun. Yeah, you made um, the one that's never brought up enough. You made the Abyss. Yeah, great movie. Um, so anyway, all right. So we're gonna be watching Alita: Battle Angel. Yep. Awesome. All Good right. stuff. Moving, moving into our blast from the past. So uh, we were didn't didn't choose something from the the 1920s. Uh, we could have gone full <laughs> PG Blinder, but we went back pretty far. So we're, we're doing 1964. Um, this is a great, I think it's a pretty great year for movies, uh, especially with the top ones of Dr. Strange yeah. Love and Goldfinger. 
probably in people's top five Bond movies. Most people. Most oh Bond yeah, it has to be. If it's not, then they're not there. watching Bond, right? Yeah. 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 It's I, mean, got I can see. Yeah. It is. It is of its time. Oh, but for it sure. is definitely one of the definitive Bond movies, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is what is your your blast from the past recommendation this week? Well, I am going to go. Uh, I'm going to go TV show. Okay. Uh, which is, you know, a departure for me. I'm trying to get better, trying to expand myself and say Flipper. Oh, okay. So um, 64 actually had quite a few. We had Bewitched. We had Gilligan's Island, um, The Man yeah. from Uncle, Adam's Family, The Munsters, and Underdog all premiered in 64. Wow. And Johnny's Quest was another one, or Johnny Quest was another one. Um, there's a lot. Um, yeah. But Flipper, I just have immense, strong memories of sitting down and watching flipper with Benjamin uh-huh. um, in particular. And just this dolphin doing it's like La- if Lassie was a dolphin is all it is. Yeah. Um, and I just, re- I just enjoyed it. Um, it was either Saturday mornings or on reruns or it was um, Nick at night before it was its own channel and it was TV land. Like it was, it was just something that it was, Wholesome, easy to watch, and just it was me and Benjamin, and it yeah. was great. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Flipper. Uh, I I saw the. It's not great. Elijah I'm recommending Wood. it because of the memories. <laughs> yeah, Elijah Wood and Paul Hogan movie uh, that came out in the '90s. That that's my memories of Flipper. Right. But yeah, um, which I never did see that movie. You don't need to. You can just have your memories of the show that you enjoy. Yeah, yeah exactly. I would stick with those. That's probably safe. Yeah, I think I didn't watch it because of um, I was burned out because of uh, Free Willy, and I was just yeah. like, I don't, I don't need another one of these in my life right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Free Willy didn't do it for you. Flippers definitely not. Yeah, do yeah. It for you. Well, Free Willy did, but then we had like two, three, and four, and I was just like, oh my goodness, why? Why yeah. do we have so much of this? It's like not. I mean, it, it was fine, but it's not great. So anyway, so Flipper, that's my 1964. Last yeah, year. I, it looks so NBC owns it, but it doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's streaming. Right I don't think now. so. It's kind of a shame. Um, I'm sure you can find episodes on uh, on YouTube, though, if you want to go back and watch some. Yeah, um, you, I mean, it, it's available for rent and buy on Prime and Apple TV. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, well, according to Rotten Tomatoes. They're not showing up online. All right, whatever. I just said the wrong, the wrong version of Flipper pulled up. Yeah, me. All right, cool. What do you got? Musical. I know how much we love musicals. We do. And I have one of the definitive trope musicals, uh, and that is My Fair Lady. Oh yeah. If you have not watched this, it is a treat. Um, I absolutely uh, love um, Audrey Hepburn. She is just one of my favorite uh, old school actresses. She's just so elegant and beautiful and great range to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she is not the best singer. I'm pretty sure she's overdubbed in this. Julie yeah. Andrews was supposed to be this role, but they didn't hire her for the movie. She had been playing it on Broadway. Um and then she uh, she didn't get picked for this. Instead, she did another movie from 1964 called Mary Poppins, right? Uh, which she won the Academy Award for. Right. And I so. think in her acceptance speech, she thanked 
Audrey Hepburn or the studio that did My Fair Lady for not hiring her for that. <laughs> great, great, uh, great dig. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Audrey Hepburn is fantastic as uh, as this character, though. And it's for, for those who don't know, uh, which you definitely, even if you don't haven't seen My Fair Lady, you've seen something that is referencing My Fair Lady. Uh, Kingsman, for example, even calls out that it's a My Fair Lady yeah. type. Uh, type movie. Uh, in this beloved musical, uh, pompous, uh, phonetic professor Henry Higgins, uh, Rex Harrison, is so sure of his abilities that he can take it upon himself to transform a cockney working class girl into someone who can pass for a cultured member of high society. His subject turns out to be the lovely Elizabeth Doolittle, Audrey Hepburn, who agrees to speech lessons to improve her job prospects. Uh, Higgins and Eliza clash, uh, then, uh, then form an unlikely bond. Uh, that is threatened by an aristocratic suitor, Jeremy Brett. So it's it's she's all that. It's Kingsman. It's yeah, it's, all exactly. these it's she's all that. It's Kingsman. It's uh, it's based on the Greek myth Pygmalion. Um, yeah, Vertigo from Albert Hitchcock is a variation on the Pygmalion yeah. theme. Um, Mannequin from the eighties. Um, it's a yeah. very popular storyline, but My Fair Lady does it is one Extremely of the best. Well, yeah. it is a little bit. Uh, on the long side for mm-hmm. your standard movie. It's two hours and 15 minutes, but the music is amazing. It's got some really great quotable lines. The rain in Spain rain falls mainly on the plane. plane. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you, will, you will enjoy yourself. It's a 94% tomato meter, 90% audience score. I think those scores are pretty spot on. Absolutely. You hate musicals, maybe you won't love it, but right. give your, you know, even if you really hate musicals, yeah. give this one a chance. It's a really good one. Yeah. And then you'll know definitively if you don't like this one, maybe you don't like any of them. <laughs> so right. this is a good uh, test tester for you. So yeah, uh, My Fair Lady is a fantastic, fantastic movie. Um, still holds up. Uh, oh, yeah. I watched this a couple years ago, and yeah, it's it's still good. Yeah, it's so, yeah. Uh, it's it's great. It's a uh, it's not my favorite mi- musical, um, but it's it's good. F- it's a, it's like, like for me, I'd rather watch Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I do like Seven Brides for Seven um, Brothers. Or like, but maybe not West Side Story. Like I would probably watch this over West Side Story just because I have to be in the right frame of mind to be okay yeah. with a Romeo and Juliet story. Yeah. Um, it's a smaller cast than, mm-hmm. than those two. And like the things I like about Seven Brides and West Side are the dance numbers. Yeah. And this is more about like the individual storytelling yeah. and, and stuff. So. Um, yeah, I think the music in this is, uh, there's some great songs in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. It is really good. Yeah. I'll, I'm trying I'll to think of there, my top five for sure. Um, what, um, what I know Rex Harrison from besides my fair lady, um, Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Dr. Doolittle, which we've talked about before and is also amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that's a great choice. Um, it is it's really good yeah it's very good so awesome all right well that will wrap it up for this week uh we talked a little bit long because we had two series we, we only did the uh a couple recommendations this week but i'm excited for mighty Morphin power rangers uh once and always adam is excited for the ahsoka series 
I really need to catch up on my Rebels and Mandalorian, so I'm ready to watch Ahsoka when it comes out. Yes, you do. Um, it's a strong recommendation for Taskmaster. Uh, we watched season four, but there are 13 seasons of Taskmaster UK, um, three seasons of Taskmaster New Zealand. If you know Norwegian, there's a Taskmaster Nor- Norway, and they just released a Taskmaster Australia. It's pretty good. I don't think it's the strongest, but I'd put it up there with some of the, the more middling UK seasons. Nice. But yeah, if you if you're really jumping for more Taskmaster, the Australian one will will scratch that itch. Uh, strong recommendation for Peaky Blinders. Um, watch at least two seasons to get some of the real uh, juicy character development and get that satisfaction of uh, seeing the villain get his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be watching. Uh, Adam recommended Alita Battle Angel and the Sicario uh, films. Uh, we're going to be watching Alita Battle Angel for next week. Um, not technically an anime, but I'm going to uncount it towards our anime. Yeah, it's it it trying the to live action anime. It's probably, yeah, it's exactly it's trying to pay homage to that for sure. Then um, we recommended. Oh, I'm on Rex Harrison's page now. Uh, I recommended My Fair Lady as our blast in the past from 1964, and Adam recommended Flipper. Um, so uh, probably one if you if you watch Flipper as a child and you want to go back and relive some of those memories um, rented on uh, Amazon Prime yep. and uh, My Fair Lady is actually streaming right now on Paramount Plus yep. so if you have that streaming service uh, that's one you can go and watch right now and yeah that will do it for this week Adam do you have any final thoughts? No I think we had a great show I think we had some really good I say no then I just keep talking um, great show great recommendations um, I love the series we watched and I'm excited yeah. about Alita yeah uh, we are as Adam said earlier we are always looking for fan recommendations so you can email us at one of us is always right at gmail.com with your recommendations and we will uh, start putting together our next fan recommended episodes yeah. uh, and then we've got some uh, some ideas for for different different episodes coming down the pipeline but we're we're going to try to get back into the swing of our of our normal routine first so that is we're not always just uh mixing it up but yeah we will uh see you guys back next week with our elite discussion and my recommendations for adam awesome